Good morning. You got a taste today. I'm just going to tell you, as long as my wife is doing announcements, you don't want to miss. Something happens when she gets a mic in her hand, and it's, it's fun. So just, just be here on time, and I'm, I'm nervous because I think our bank account's going to suffer <laughs> if this keeps up, but we'll, we'll have a conversation about that later. That's okay. Our theme this year is Practically Speaking. One of my passions is making the Bible practical for my life. Stories and teachings and principles that were written thousands of years ago, how do they fit today? What difference do they make today? And that's the journey we want to go on this year. Can we make, can we make these things, these stories, come alive in a way that when we leave chapel, we're thinking, we're, we're wondering. Arsenio Hall was a late-night talk show host a long time ago. He had a bit, things that make you go, hmm. Most of you are too young. Faculty, staff, you remember that a little bit? That was how he kicked off his bit every night. They were questions like this, and I'm going to try and hit a couple of our, our groups. For example, how many of you come from a farming background or an agricultural background? You know animals. Good. How many others out there are studying to be athletic trainers? A lot of you, good. So answer this question for me. When a human being gets a cramp, we call it a Charlie horse. What do we call when it happens to a horse? Things that make you go, hmm, there you go. Okay, so that's, that's the type of question. Here's another one. Uh, music and theater people. All right, we've got some of those out there. Why is it when you go to a play, people recite things? And when you go to a music, an instrumental recital, they um, play things. Things that make you go. Now we're getting the idea. Very, very good. Uh, education majors. English professors or, or English majors. This is a personal one for me. This one's caused me a lot of pain. I have a brother, when I was younger, was, was diagnosed with a learning disability. Why is dyslexia so hard to spell and read? <laughs> Things that make you go, okay. And for the rest of you, this is my favorite. Um, if you're in your car and you throw a cat out the window, does it become kitty litter? I'm a dog person, I'll admit. All the cat people are mad at me. Don't worry, you will not get equal time because I'm a dog person. Things that make you go, hmm. Today we're going to look at a question Jesus posed. And I hope at the end of chapel, and you walk out in your mind, you're going, hmm. What if Jesus posed that question to me? Now, I like stories, and I'm a storyteller. So, so we're going to walk through a story in the Bible, and if you want to look at it in your Bible, it's in uh, Mark chapter 10. Uh, I think it's starting in verse 45, but I'm going to tell the story because to me it makes it become more real. I'm going to set the stage. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's on his last journey with them. They are taking this route. They're going through Jericho. They're heading to Jerusalem where he's going to have the Last Supper. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified, and everything changes. It's his last journey. And on the way, they, they leave Jericho, and by this time, there's this huge crowd. There's people everywhere, and everybody's buzzing, and Jesus is walking, and, and the people are so loud that the word is carrying out. 
And on the side of the road is this guy who's blind. His name is Bartimaeus. Now, it's interesting that we know Bartimaeus' name. You see, out of all the people that Jesus healed, out of all the people that Jesus cast out demons from, the only one that we know his name is Bartimaeus. We know Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, so I guess you could call that healing too, but that's a resurrection. But of all the miracles, the only person we know his name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And so there's something significant about this guy. There's something that the church and the people who wrote about it says, I know this guy. You know this guy? Yeah, it's Bart. We all know Bart. He's a son of Tim. And, 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 and something happened in Bart's life. Now, Bart is blind, and he's sitting there, and he hears people talking. And he hears the rumble coming from afar off. He can't see, and this crowd's getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And, and Bartimaeus realizes, hey, this is Jesus they're talking about. He's never seen him. He's probably never met him. But as the crowd comes and the noise swells, Bartimaeus starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Louder and louder to the place where it becomes obnoxious. One of the things I love about our football team is your sideline energy. I wish I could capture that, bottle it, um, I think it's amazing in how it sustains the whole game. But every year, there's some guy on your team that is so energetic, he's obnoxious, right? Don't look at the guy next to you. If that's him, just pretend to ignore him. There's always somebody. When you come to a basketball game, it's usually the guy in the really short cutoff blue jeans and the white tank top. And by the way, I love you, so keep doing that. But somebody's that loud that they're obnoxious. And the people around Bartimaeus is like, shh, be quiet. Don't say anything. And all Bart does is he gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Let me tell you something about what Bart's saying. You see, people had been watching Jesus all his life. People had been talking to him and interacting with him. But Bartimaeus uses a really specific phrase. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, son of David was a very specific term. There's only two people that use it in the New Testament until Jesus has risen from the dead. Bartimaeus, a guy who can't see him, and a Canaanite woman whose daughter has a demon. And they see something in Jesus that all the religious people, even his disciples, don't get. You see, son of David refers to this promised Messiah, this king that gets born out of the lineage of David. And when he says son of David, he's not just saying, hey, good teacher, hey, wise guy, hey, doctor, hey. He is saying, Jesus, the promised one, have mercy on me. How does a blind guy know that? How does a foreign woman know that Jesus is the one. But Bart does. And knowing that Jesus is the one, he cries louder and louder and louder. And then one of the best, best verses in the entire Bible, if you, if you have your Bible and you, you like to underline stuff, this is when you got to underline. They come to Jesus, or they come to Bartimaeus. Jesus is off in the distance. They says, cheer up. Get on your feet. 
Jesus is calling for you. Cheer up. Get on your feet. Jesus is calling for you. I'm going to take a little detour here for a minute. There are some of you here today who this is the only part of my talk that matters to you. I don't know if it's a few, I don't know if it's a bunch. But we come to school, we, we, all, we look good, we, we kick off, we have lots of energy. And inside we're crumpled up on the floor, huddled together, just trying to keep it together. We've been knocked down one too many times. People have hurt us one too many times. Depression or anxiety or an addiction has hammered us down. You don't even have to listen to the rest of what I say, but hear this today. Cheer up. Get on your feet one more time. Jesus is calling for you. You're at a place where things can change. Cheer up. Get on your feet. Get up one more time. Because Jesus is calling for you. You didn't get here by accident. You didn't get here because of a whim. You got here because the God of the universe who loves you is saying, cheer up. Get on your feet. I'm calling for you. And if that's all you take from this message, that's a great, great thing. Get up. Get on your feet. Walk over to Julie's office. Sit down and talk. Get up. Get on your feet. Cheer up. Walk over to one of your professors or coaches. Come to my office because Jesus is calling for you. And so Bartimaeus, he, matter of fact, he drops his cloak. He, Bart gets up and, and he's heading over to Jesus. And he gets to Jesus, and, and you've got this great story, and you've got this climactic, powerful moment. Everybody's ready for Bartimaeus to be healed. And Jesus asks him a very peculiar question. He says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, most of us would go, what do you mean, Jesus? He's blind. You can tell he can't see. Somebody had to walk him over. But Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? What if Jesus posed that question to you today? As you're looking at this next step in your life, as you're looking at where you're at, what if Jesus said to you today, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that? You see, that's not an accidental question. Matter of fact, when we read this story, we find out this isn't the first time Jesus posed this question. If you got your Bibles, and Sean, I think, is going to put it up on the screen, or Brett, if we go back to the very previous verses, this is right before Jesus leaves and runs into Bartimaeus. In the same chapter, Jesus tells his disciples, okay, here's the deal. Buckle up, because you need to know what's going to happen. We're going to get someplace, we're going to get to Jerusalem. They're going to, I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to arrest me. They're going to flog me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to mock me. I'm going to end up dying. And in this heavy, hard time, two of his disciples, brothers, James and John, come up to Jesus and say, hey, we want you to do what we ask. And if we read the verse in, um, if I read it here, here's, here's the passage. says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in verse 35, 
came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do whatever we ask. Look at the question Jesus asks. What do you want me to do for you? You see, this isn't just a story about Bart. This isn't just a story about a blind man. This is a bigger story where two people, two young men who walked with Jesus, who were taught with Jesus, on one hand, and a blind man on the other, get asked the very same question by Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And we get two very different responses. We get from James and John, Jesus, we want to be the greatest. Hey, can you make it so that one of us is on your right and one of us is on your left? And what goes unspoken is that when you die, we are the ones who are in charge. Can you make it so that people will respect us and people will follow us? Can you give us power? Can you give us influence? In today's world, we don't have anybody who trades faith for power and influence and prestige, do we today? They leverage their faith for political gain or for community influence. We're no different than James and John, and they were followers of Jesus. They loved Jesus. Jesus posed the same question to Bart. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, I just want to see. I just want to see. Jesus posed the question to you today. What do you want me to do for you? I want a good job. I want to start. I want the lead in the play. I want a girlfriend. I know that's a big question for some of you guys, but... I want power. I want influence. If it's all about you, you're just like James and John. Or is your response like, Jesus, I just want to see. I, I want to break this addiction finally. I want to go to bed and not feel anxious for the first time in a long time. I want to matter. I want to feel loved. Jesus, I want to make a difference. I just don't know how. You see, those are very, very different answers. And I believe we stand here, or we sit here in your case, the beginning of the year, and that same Jesus puts that question to us. What do you want me to do for you? Some of you are saying, Jesus, just leave me alone. I don't want this religious stuff, and that's fine. Some of you are saying, just help me when somebody's sick or when somebody dies or I have a hard time. But, but there are some of you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to affirm you. Jesus is waiting for somebody to say, help me. And when Bart says, Jesus, I just want to see, Jesus says, guess what? Your faith has made you whole. And Bart could see. 
But that's not the end of the story. You see, the Bible is full of people who Jesus healed. The Bible is full of people who had demons cast out, were able to see, were lame and could walk. And many of them are, were, were large crowds of people. As I mentioned before, the only one that we know their name is Bart. Because here's how the story ends for Bart. Jesus says, go and your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. You read miracle after miracle after miracle where Jesus heals somebody, we never see him again. But there's something different about Bart. And I want to give a big challenge because this is a, a passion of mine. There are a lot of us and a lot of people in the world that want Jesus as their Savior. They want Jesus to give them eternal life. They want Jesus to perform a miracle and help their family. They want a Savior, but they don't necessarily want a Lord. They want a God who's going to do a miracle in their life, but they don't want to necessarily follow him. See, I think the reason we know Bart's name is because everybody who read this book knew Bart. Yeah, I know Bart. Yeah, Bart's son of Tim. And Bart told the story over and over again. I couldn't see. I was blind. I shouted. I was obnoxious. Jesus said, cheer up. Get on your feet. calling for you. And I went and he healed me and I followed him. You've got to decide and you're at a point in time in your life where it will make the difference the rest of your life. Do you want Jesus as your Savior? Or do you also want him as your Lord? And I believe unless he's our Lord, we stay blind. You see, as you look at this story, who, were the, who was really blind? James and John, who saw Jesus as a ticket to power and wealth and influence? Or Bartimaeus, who saw Jesus as the God and the promised Messiah? H.G. Wells wrote a short story. It's called The Country of the Blind. I don't know if anybody here has ever read it, The Country of the Blind. It's a famous story about this mountaineer who crosses this valley, and he, he ends up as mountain, and he ends up in this valley, and there is a people who have lived all their life with this disease that caused them to be born blind, and they've learned to adapt, but nobody in the community has ever seen. It's the phrase, has anybody ever heard the phrase in a, in a country of um, blind people, the one-eyed man is king. You ever heard that phrase? That, this is the story that comes from. And he lives with them, and he starts telling them about the sky and about stars and about flowers and color. He falls in love. And the people think he's crazy. And they get angry at him, and they get mad at him, and they think, okay, we've got to fix this guy. It must be those things in the middle of his forehead that have gotten infected and are causing him to go crazy. And so the blind plan to operate and remove his eyes. 
so that he becomes just like them. And he has to escape and get away, and they're left a country of the blind. The Bible says when the blind, Jesus said this, when the blind follow the blind, they fall into a pit. Are you blind? Are you looking to Jesus to make your life be good and powerful? Or are you looking to Jesus because you need to be healed? Are you looking for just a Savior or are you looking for a Lord? I believe that's the question Jesus poses to me today and he poses to you. What do you want me to do for you? And I hope as you go, for some of you, the only thing I want you to hear all day is cheer up, get on your feet, Jesus is calling for you. But for many of us, I want us to hear Jesus' voice. What do you want me to do for you? And if that question makes you go, hmm, today, it's not my voice you heard, it's Jesus. We're going to take this journey this year. I'm excited about it. Uh, we said earlier, Julie and I would love to have follow-up conversations, but your faculty, your staff, your RAs, your RDs, this is, this is real life. Uh, I'm going to pray, and while I pray, if the worship team wants to come up, we're going to close in one song, and uh, we'll wrap up our first chapel of the year. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for stories that are real and, and stories that matter today. I pray that you would open our eyes. I pray, first of all, Lord, for those who are here who are hurting. And to even get on their feet seems to be a hard thing. God, I pray that they would be overwhelmed by your love and your presence. And they would hear your voice over and over again. Cheer up. Get on your feet. I'm calling for you. Cheer up. Get on your feet. I'm calling for you. And Lord, for those who are, who are on our feet and we're looking, I pray that we would not be blind. We would see our relationship with you clearly. And we would take some time to honestly give you an answer to that question, what do we want you to do for us? And I pray as we answer that, that our lives would be full, that there would be a passion and a purpose that comes as we would get your heartbeat for our community and our world.